In this episode of Carolyn Talks, I speak with writer and director Bora Kim about her debut feature film, House of Hummingbird. Set in 1994 Seoul, South Korea, the film follows 14-year-old Kim Uni as she finds herself at a pivotal moment in her life as a teenager. Bora and I discuss themes such as abuse, trauma, healing, and female friendships. We also get into the industrial revolution, modernization, and many more topics. I hope you enjoy. So thank you, Border, for talking to me about your film, House of Hummingbird. I'm very excited to to talk to you about the film. I really enjoyed it. And I have a lot of questions about the themes and the story elements and the characters. Um, So I read um, that it took you quite a while to write the script because you began writing this university. And then, and then you, you you completed it, and then it was submitted to a whole slew of film festivals. So, um, and you gained a lot of success success for the film, and also a lot of accolades, and rightly deserved. So, I just my first question is going to be the process of writing the script because it took you a few years to get it to where you wanted to be to the point you want, where you were ready for it to be in production. So, what was it like? Well, actually, the actual script screenwriting process wasn't that long. Mm. Um, I finished first draft in 2013, like within two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the reason that it the process, the whole film process took long was because of funding. Mm-hmm. I didn't get any commercial money, so I had to get funding, like uh, government uh, funding uh, or like small funds from film festivals here and there. So it took many years to gather all these small funds from so many different organizations. So I got film funds from Korean Film Council, Seoul Film Commission, Songnam Art Center, Sundance Institute, and Busan Film Festival, many more. So, but then like the funds wasn't that big enough. So I had to get like, many different sources of funds, uh, like small funds here and there, and then gather all and make the film. So that's why it took that long. And during that process, I was working on screenplay and, you know, doing like location scouting, auditions. So it wasn't my, it wasn't my intention to take that long, but it that it became that way but i'm actually very g- glad that well because of the time i was able to you know revise the script in a in a way that i really want so in the end i feel thankful about the process and also i'm very happy that i didn't get any commercial money so that's why the film exists um uh, as it is yeah mm-hmm. Right, you didn't have any. You didn't have to have any influence from, like, you were, the, as you said, you, if you had received the funds through commercial means, like from a, right. a company where you would have to do product placement, you would have, you would have felt pressure to include it somewhere to make sure that they thought that their funding was worth it. Whereas the film could be just pure and about the characters and the story that you wanted it to be. Right, totally. Mm-hmm. Right, and so for this film, um, it it it, it takes place in 1994. And the main character, Uni, is a 15-year-old girl because she's in eighth grade, uh, which is 14 to 15 years old. And she's at this pivotal point where for many young, for many teenage girls, um, where you're learning about yourself. I mean, this is where we're learning about ourselves. We are emotionally, mentally, physically, and even sexually. This is where we start to wonder, who will I be? when I transitioned from, um, from high school and then get ready for, for college and a university. And for you, this film does have a personal element because it does feature um, a story element that I think plays actually a pretty important um, part to the story, which is the collapse of the um, Song Su Bridge, which um, collapsed in October of 1994. And I wanted to ask you why this particular year and why this particular time did you use to set the film and the story? The time period, you mean? Yeah, the time period, yeah. Mm. First of all, like, there are so many reasons that I set this film in 1994, but the, the main reason was because of the, the some major event that's mm. happening in the film. I will not say too much details about it, but... Um, 
Okay, um, so first of all, I wanted to depict middle school girl, like particularly eighth grade girl, because um, we have this kind of, you know, term or like some words, uh, eighth grade syndrome. <laughs> People use that word as a kind of way to disrespect eighth grade people mm. uh, saying, oh, you're too sensitive. Are you having eighth grade syndrome? It's like a, they're kind of diminishing you. I mean, mm. Behave, acting like an adult, that sort of thing. And then when you say that word to uh, eighth grade, extra eighth grade one, like uh, teenagers, then they feel hurt because they feel like their needs and their desires or their emotions are not met, not respected enough. Uh, so I wanted to really focus on that particular year because, particular grade, because um, I thought it's so unfair for them to judge eighth grade or the teenager middle school girls in that way. I mean, they deserve to feel that way because, you know, you're physically growing almost every day. You see the change of your height and you are dependent on your family financially and also emotionally. And you are in school with so bunch of random kids that you don't even like. <laughs> and you have to behave in certain way. And you always get these comments from your teacher that you have to go to good school, good university to be a good person. And I wanted to highlight that kind of era, specific times that you feel so not belong to the world and you have so many emotions so many like deep emotions but people don't even really expect what you are going through and I wanted to bring that time and period so that people who are now adult but still carry their inner child because they never really they don't they barely visit this sort of period because they think now I'm become now I have become an adult. I don't have to really care. But I, I feel like when I see on many people, they still have this like emotional baggage from those teenager years. So I, I wanted to depict that sort of specific era so that teenager can, uh, you know, can maybe like they get some kind of solace or words that they are looking for and for other, for others. I want them to revisit their own childhood memories so there can be some kind of peace. And in terms of the reason that I uh, chose 1994, there is like very big uh, national tragedy in the year so it has to be uh, the, the specific year and the reason that I um, chose 90 early 90s of Korea um, that's when my country was really really trying hard to be a developed country from underdeveloped country so everything was built so fast and we are so eager and passionate about getting recognized by the world because that's made us some years, few years later, uh, uh, after the Seoul Olympics, which was the first Olympics that we had. And we are so excited about, you know, becoming a big country, getting attention. So we built many, many buildings and things without being aware of human beings and safety. And then the tragic event happened, and that was that kind of wake-up call for Korea to, you know, stop that sort of fast development and, you know, an inhumane way of approach in school and in family and society. And so I wanted to bring that era because of these many reasons. Mm. Uh, I kind of understand that because the thing with reading on what happened with the social break, like the reason it collapsed was because the weld, uh, the welding work for that particular section wasn't done right. And that was because they had done a, basically done a rush job. 
and the construction wasn't done right. And and it kind of almost reflects into what you were saying about how um, adults would refer to uh, the, the eighth grade period as uh, in, a, in a derogatory way, because um, adults, when, when you have teenagers, especially when you're at that age, the 14 to 15 to 16 year olds, like we, me as an adult, I can, I, I'm so guilty of it is we expect young people to grow up and be mature and right. act mature, but then we still ask right. them to stay in their place as teenagers. And mm-hmm. I, like both of us, we would have been young girls and we would have been had that, we would have been in that same situation where we would have had adults say, you need to be more mature. Why are you doing this? Why are you acting like a little girl? And then when we do act mature, they'd be like, know your place, stay your place. And that does happen with Uni a lot in the film and it happens with her teachers happens with her friends and especially with her parents and her and her siblings and and it's it's like thinking about it the bridge collapse to me symbolizes tragedy and it symbolizes a a broken connection with with life whereas a teenager like just before we become adults there's this stage where we lose parts of who we are were as children that we can't get back and then we do eventually when the bridge is kind of repaired, we do grow grow up and go on, but then we're never the same before. And it can it can do with like losing a loved one, which is something that does happen in the film. And it also has to do with losing touch with who we were and losing touch with our innocence and, and our identity as young people. So when you when you have teenagers like me who are kind of like drifting through through their lives and they're looking for something like we always look for something to be connected so when we lose that connection it's like we have no idea who we are as people so i love kind of like how you interweave these different themes and these different um elements into the story and how he's basically i look at me as an avatar <laughs> for many of us like i saw a lot of myself in her because i went to an all-girls school i i had close friendships with um with girls and then i lost touch with a lot of them and it's like mm-hmm. you, you're like you don't know what to do with that friendship so i really related a lot to her and to some of her experiences mm-hmm. and for you i wanted to ask you with the, with a script like this where you are putting some personal elements in some situations that you yourself went through or that you would have experience just from how society treats young girls like were, were there any moments when you were writing writing the script or, or even filming that were difficult for you to like process and or even just like maybe a memory that you had that came up and you were like oh and it was kind of cathartic going through the script writing process and the production for you mm, it's a good question and also i really like the word avatar and i really think Uni was avatar for all the girls and like women who went through those places. Um, so yeah, uh, when I first started to, you know, uh, think about this film, it wasn't film in the beginning. So it, when I was in graduate school, I I was in a, I, I was in New York. Um, studying at Columbia and that was my first time living in New York and you know being just being in graduate school is like really really hard but being in another country speaking new language was kind of disaster to me so I started to have this nightmare that I am a middle school girl in 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 the dream actually I'm an, I'm an adult but for some reason I have to go to I have to go to middle school three years. So I know I'm an adult, but people think I'm middle school girl. So in the dream, I had to go to school three years. And I I was like devastated. And every time I woke up from the dream, I was like all sweaty and I felt so relieved by the fact that I don't have to go to middle school. And then it was actually reoccurring dreams. So, and then I, I realized that there's something going on underneath of the period and maybe I have to revisit that's what I realized. And then I started to write down things that I, uh, you know, experienced like lines, dialogues or relationship that I had in, in the period. And so that was like, first in the beginning, it was like big chunk of memories and like trauma, you know, some like relationship baggage like and then later it became script so for in the beginning I didn't really think that I was going to make this as a film but it became bigger and then while I was working on the script as you said I really did my best to bring 
our girls experience because <clears throat> a lot of girls experience same thing like Unyi. They have really strong, intense friendship, that, but they have conflict and then they never see each other. Although they really fell in love with each other as if they're lovers. Yeah. So that sort of thing happened to almost many girls. And, you know, they also have crush on other girls. It's very common in Korea because it's so male-dominated society and, like, girls find each other really attractive and charming because girls are del- delicate and, like, fun to talk to it. And then, and then also sexuality is very fluid in that period. So they don't even question about, oh... Why am I uh, be interested in girls, other girls? They just accept it as if it's very natural. But then later when they go to college, they kind of forget the memories and like, you know, become a heterosexual, um, like, a, like the, in a way that they think it's normal. Um, so that sort of thing, uh, that, that's the thing that I wanted to really depict and also very strong emotions like depression, loneliness, and searching for a sense of belonging, and, you know, like trying to get loved and trying to love well, and family dynamic. That's like a really universal emotion that we all go through, not just in that period, but still now as an adult. So I wanted to bring universal elements and emotion that we all go through through the film. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing because there are so many people when 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 they watch films or even shows or whatever from different cultures or from different countries, people expect to see something completely different than what they ex- than what they experience. But I'm like, no, that's one of the reasons I love quote unquote our international films is because uh, so we we're all human. Uh, we all experience the same emotions and we all do experience the same experiences. It just may have a different context or a different effect based on 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 societal norms and on culture. Like for instance, like South Korea is a very um, patriarchal society and it's also very capitalist, which is also kind of a, 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 a trade-off of what happened that like you mentioned the Seoul Olympics and then the, 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 even with the South Sioux Bridge, like uh, South Korea was so intent on, modernize, on modernizing as quickly as possible because they wanted to be a, become a capitalist society because, you know, money equals power. And right. they wanted to be a part of the global market. And I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from Barbados, and I moved to, I moved to Canada in 2009 and it was a very big shift and it was very different. Like Barbados is technically a capitalist society, but not as much as not free. So it was a big transition for me. And and I saw like the same struggles that Uni and the and the characters have because there's like this this um, sign that they pass on the street where um, it's a banner on a on a on a fence. And like the, the person behind the, the people that live on the in the house, they're like, we they don't want to move. They're like, this is my home and we will not. Be, we will not be moved. And that has, ha- I've seen that happen in the Caribbean where like you had the, the land developers, they want to buy up the property. They want to buy up the land and the people that own the land, they're like, no, this is my, we, we call it the, only the piece of the rock. This is my piece of the rock. And there are land developers that say, you have to move because we want to be, we want to modernize the, the, the country more. We want to build right, like, right. Um, you know, we want to big fat, fancy hotels and like our main industry is tourism. So a lot of property goes towards like building, um, guest houses, posh and high-end um, supermarkets yeah. and hotels. And there are people who are like, but I've been living here for, my family has been living here for generations. So I saw that same struggle. And then when you're talking right. about when you moved to the US, when I moved to Canada, for the first six months, I was fine. I thought I was like, I was in Canada in vacation mode. And then I, I had to start working. I started working and I was, I, I actually burst into tears when I got my first paycheck. Because I was like, oh, wait, no, I live here now. <laughs> I'm not on vacation. And then I had to go into high school. I had to do adult high school here because I had graduated from, from um, secondary school back home like in 2000. And I, I, I had to go to high school. And it was basically surrounded by people my age, but also teenagers. And it was a weird, it was this weird experience where it was like, I felt like I was in school again, but still not. And 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 it's it's this it's this weird thing where as adults we we have you know, we face like moments from our past 
and we 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 have to struggle with learning all over again. And like even as adults, we're always constantly learning. But for someone like me, like she's learning in a context where I think for her it was more about emotion. She's learning emotionally and mentally, and mm-hmm. even like sexually, she's discovering who she is. And and one of the things that struck me about this about this the story is how she there and how some everything is not as it seems. And there are specific scenes where she's like, for instance, jumping on the trampoline and with, with her best friend and they're jumping. And anyone watching from afar thinks there are these two young girls having fun. And then yeah. you, you, you clue into the conversation. You're like, they're not having, they're having discussions about their parents' relationship. They're having discussions about their brother, their brother is abusing them. They're having discussions about, should we go shoplift? And, mm-hmm. and then that's when you look, you look at teenagers and you remember, like they are, complex young mm-hmm. girls are complex and mm-hmm. our lives are complex and I love that you did that and so I wanted to ask you so like for for drafting those moments like was that your intention to show how for girls like people look at teenagers and think one thing but their lives are something completely different yeah totally like what you said the trampoline scene it's actually the most favorite scene of people mm-hmm. um one of the favorite um, audiences um, I wanted to have the sort of contradiction, like it's very beautiful scene and like they're having fun, like they're looking like they're having fun, but you never know what really they are thinking. Yeah. And it's the same for others too, but like for teenage girls, you kind of easily judge them. Like, you know, they always talk about boys. They just you know, are easygoing and lame and, you know, but they're not, they're, they're very much struggling for something that are very, very universal and something big uh, in a way that adults go through. Like, for example, sense of belonging. It's like a big need for everyone in every generation. Sense of belonging, longing for love, are two main elements and needs, like fundamental human needs. And when you are in school as a teenager, you really want to belong to somebody, but you never feel like you are belonging somewhere because, you know, there are so many different type of kids who, who have to behave the same way uh, based on the school form, school norm, and societal norm. So you kind of like always diminish your own need and you always have to study how other peers are behaving. And you feel lonely because you're not really truly connected to yourself. And that sort of need, and you want to get loved by your family and you know teachers in a way that you want to get loved but you know in education like public education they focus too much on success and going to good university and that's not the love i mean then you feel like i i can be loved when i reach to the point that they put standard high standard so i wanted to focus on that sort of thing like kids seemingly like uh, bright high school girls or middle school girls, you you might judge them um, as if they're just uh, thinking nothing, but they're just going through really, really complex, deep human emotional needs like you did, like you do now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or do. Yeah. I know. And that's the, the, the thing that one of the other, and that's, a perfect segue into my next question actually and it was it has to do with the title of the film because I didn't fully understand it at first because to me a hummingbird is you know so small and it's a beautiful bird and they're known for move from darting from one thing quickly to another from one flower to another flower to another flower like they don't they hover get there get their nectar and then they move on and I, to me the film not be, not that the film is slow paced um but I, I was looking for that sense of flut- fluttering, like moving on from moving on to moving on. And then it hit me. Uh, there's this moment where um, only after she sees the doctor, she comes from the doctor and she gets this. <laughs> Again, there's a lot of parallels in this this film to my own personal life because I've had 
um, surgery for to remove a tumor and everything. And there's this moment where she's she comes from the doctor and she's alone. And again, I saw myself in this moment because I was always going to the doctor's appointments by myself. Mm-hmm. And she sees her mom. And her mm-hmm. mom is, she's calling for her mom. And like, no matter how hard she calls for her mom, it's like her mom can't hear her. And in that moment, it occurred to me, I'm like, that's the hummingbird moment. Hummingbirds are always alone. I've never seen, you never, you never see hummingbirds in like a flock. They don't, you don't see them gathering around like together. There's the only way I've, I've ever seen them like more than one hummingbird together is if I went to this place called Orchid World and they have like feeders for, for hummingbirds. But generally hummingbirds are solitary Creatures. And it was like, ah, we need solitary. Like you can be around people and you can still be lonely, right? You like there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And and to me, that's where I saw the hummingbird element. It hit me that. And then I started to think back to scenes that came before. And it was like, Uni's always technically alone. For me, she has this aura of solitude where she she's she's she could be laughing with Jisuk or even at home with her family. And the way how you frame the shots and the cinematography is she's there, but she's, she's, she's part, she's with them, but she's not a part of them. Right. And, and for you, for when you were filming these, when you were filming the shots and setting up the cinematography, because you have experience as a cinematographer, um, when you, when you were coming, you were like deciding, okay, how you're going to frame her. What was your, like, were there specific moments where like her, who she is came through with the cinematography and with, and with your director. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess filmmaking is all about plan and also uh, intuition and like decision making based on intuition. So um, I wanted to have Uni um, like feeling isolated and not really completely belonging to her, even on her family. And so I had to really put any as like a loner in school, even in friendship, even in the, uh, even in home. So we chose shot selection based on her emotion. And also, like what you said, um, I want, but like then I wanted to her solitude moment um, at home. So Uni feels, and Uni looks like she's having fun and she's more free and, you know, more, more of herself when she's alone at home. And people, audience also find the difference. Uni is always in her room. Uh, when family is there, but Uni is in the living room or terrace when the family is not there. So mm-hmm. she's using the place as if she's the owner of the house when none of family is there. But when family is there, she doesn't go to the living room. In, in the living room or in the kitchen, she feels like she looks like she doesn't belong there. So that's our emotional, that's our like shot selection. We put all the meaning in every shot and sequence and scenes and the shot selection between me and my uh, DP was based on her emotional journey and need. Yeah, so it's very normal for you to feel that way. And I'm glad that you took our, you understood our intention. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I just like it because it, 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 because going on from that moment, it does, I, after I had that realization going forward for the rest of the film, I did pay more attention to to who she was around and like her, her just like her facial expressions and and I think the actress did an amazing job with like with like conveying like she wasn't sad, but there's this um was, there's there's this look that she gets on her face where we she she's surrounded by people and she's like I don't know any of you and and it's and it's like this moment she's she oh I guess the word it's an enigma whereas to me she's she's like an enigma and she's like a puzzle because she's trying to figure out the people around her and mm-hmm. and as teenagers and even as adults like when we ever you're surrounded by people we're always trying to figure out where our place in whatever room we're in or whatever group we're in and 
then she has to be able to learn to read people. And I think this is the moment where she starts to learn how to read people. Um, like after her surgery, she starts to see who cares and who doesn't care. And, and then there's then there's this moment she comes out of the surgery and it's almost like she's transformed. And she's she's different. Where to me, she's more um, vocal and she seems more self-assured. But then she's also still um, vulnerable because she does get hurt by someone that was completely unexpected. She gets, she gets I would say, two emotional goals. There's one person that she thought this person tr- truly cared for her. And then it's like the person moved on. Like, like whatever feelings they had didn't matter. And it was just something that was easily forgotten and, 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 and thrown away. Whereas there's another person where she suffered a tragic loss who had left a, a really big impact on her. And I thought of these moments as like scars and kind of like with the bridge to me, again, the bridge is a symbol to me, the bridge symbolizes scars where like you, you receive this, this scar and everyone can see it, but they think because it's healed that everything is fine. Like, because it looks fine on the surface that everything underneath is fine too. But then is that you have this emotional scar. We always carry the pain with us. And, and, and the, and, this made me think of the scar that she had from the surgery. And I wanted to ask you, why is it in the film we never see the scar? And, and, and because normally I would like, for some directors, if you mention a scar, whatever, you see it. You get like a picture of the person looking in the mirror and examining the scar to see how it affected them physically. But we never see that moment with Uni. And I wanted to ask you, what, why, why was that like a, a conscious decision as you were like maybe even writing the script or during production? Well, we shot the scene that she sees the scar, but I didn't think it was necessary uh, at when we were editing. Mm. So we removed the scene. Yeah, um, I was sad that I had to remove the scene because it it took actually time and effort to make that scar. But you know, it was intentional decision that. Maybe it's so much better not to show it. And, you know, there's a scene that Uni's um, uh, sister's boyfriend talks mm-hmm. about the scar. So I think that would be, I thought that would be enough. Yeah. And I think this film is a film that doesn't show everything. Mm-hmm. And even if it shows something, sometimes that thing has so many different meanings and subtext so not showing scar i i think it's also related to the you know aesthetic or mm, the aesthetic aesthetic style of this of this film yeah Mm, right and um i thought it was interesting that the person who did ask to see and that she did show it to was her sister's boyfriend because mm-hmm. if anything, I thought that moment was a moment if anything would have happened with her, her back with um, Jisoo. So I was like, oh, she actually showed it to her boyfriend. So that was pretty interesting. And um, so for my, my next question, it has to do with the, the topic of abuse. And in the way how it's handled in the film is the, the where it's actually discussed is between Uni and Jisoo. And the way that this, the way they talk about the physical abuse and emotional abuse that they suffer is very almost casually. Like this is such a regular occurrence for them. They're discussing like how you would discuss homework or maybe going to see a movie. And again, this was also one of those moments where if you're watching it from afar, you think you're just having some casual conversation about, Mm -hmm. as I said, going to the movies or whatever. And then you, you clue into what they're saying. You're like, gosh, like, you know, and so, and so, for this one, it was very, uh, this it, it was a moment that was very intense to me because it's like normally in films or in stories or whoever, when you're talking about abuse, we always like they talk about if it's between spouse, spousal abuse, or very rarely do you see sibling abuse mentioned in films, and especially if you have maybe one, you don't get two. Like both of both girls are experiencing abuse by, by their older brothers, and it's not being handled. They they mention it, but it's like the parents don't care. And so I wanted to ask you, like, when you were for for this scene, um, 
what was it like like preparing the actors for 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 to discuss these kind of topics because like they like it, i i imagine like yes it's on a script and they're actors and doing whatever but this is abuse is something that is common in society especially in patriarchal societies and is a topic that people like to sweep under the rug and so like what was the process of preparing the actors and then just like how you're going to integrate it throughout the rest of them because it's multiple scenes that it does happen well i i think i i tried to really show clearly how the society was in back then 90s uh i've heard and seen so many like girls who are going through who are going through sibling abuse because it's it's still very male dominated society but like in the 90s it was like much worse you know i remember when i was in high school a girl was uh chosen as a like, class representative do you guys have that thing um yeah um like my home my brothers we'd have a class president or a well, we class, have a, yeah. we have class presidents or a prefect like i was a prefect uh, and here in um, canada it's the same way like when you get into high school you do have like class presidents and they usually represent the whole the whole year mm-hmm. yeah we do have that thing so so one one year um a girl was chosen as class president but um, the homeroom teacher said you know what It's, it might be better for a boy to be a uh, class president. So why don't you, why don't you girl to be a vice president and like boy to be president? So like the boy who was chosen as vice president became president, class president. And like, I remember she was crying and, you know, suffering because of that. And, and back then, 90, like the society was like that. And I think everywhere the world has this gender issue mm-hmm. still now, but like many years before it was much worse. And sibling, I think sibling, in that sort of uh, environment, in this sort of climate, sibling abuse was actually like, you know, inevitable because when father is like uh, acting like a boss boss and like being very very um bossy to the family members and uh, almost like to the point that he's uh, acting is is abusing emotionally the entire family the the son which is like a putty kind of small men of the house can act like a, you know, father, yeah. like little father. So that sibling abuse by male family member um, happened a lot in Korea, but no one really talked about it seriously because they think it's kids. I mean, they fight with each other. So like the Lini's mom said, Uh, don't fight with each other. Like a lot of moms think or kind of want it to be blind uh, that they are just fighting, that the girl is beaten uh, by the brother because, you know, I think a lot of family dynamic and issues happen because it's hard and painful to admit. So the mom from the film, she knows, of course she knows, but she doesn't want to admit because if she admits, she has to face pain mm-hmm. and things that this, she doesn't want to deal with. Even like her own childhood memories. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't think she wouldn't be, she never be abused by her male Uh, family members because she was much she was much older and she didn't even go to uh, school because she had to support her male sibling so if she grew up in that era like I think uh, sibling abuse or male male abuse in the family would have happened would have happened for sure. So maybe uh, Lini's mom, she just wants to avoid the sort of complex. So I wanted to depict all these women in the film in a very complex beings. They're the victim survivor, survivor of this, uh, 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 what's the term for the... 
Uh, the the thing like uh, male dominated society. Oh, uh, patriarchal society. Patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, are the are the women in the film? A lot of women in the film uh, are the survivor of. Uh, patriarchy, but also a victim of the patriarchy, and also sometimes they be, they can become a pressure to women who are uh, weaker than them, like the mom character. She's actually kind of gaslighting the daughter as if uh, the, the, the the daughter has to think nothing happened, although when things are happening like seriously to her but then I, I didn't want to depict the mom as a bad figure because the mom herself is also survivor and victim from the society yeah yeah um no i picked that up um a lot because the thing with like with the mom and everyone in the family like they sweep things under the rug like it's never fully confronted and even in the rest of the film, there's moments where you like people clue into that there's something wrong at home. Like when they like when Uni and so they they um shoplifted the stationery store that the owner he called their he called the dad and he was like, I'm gonna send her to the police to the police station and he was like, Go call them. And then he was and then the owner was like, you know what? Like so clearly that was not the expert that, that he was that was not the real the result he was expecting so he let them go because he saw that there's something wrong and then there was also the moment with the doctor where like her eardrum got torn and she didn't say anything but he immediately knew and he was like if you need yeah. evidence i'll write you a, a, a note and then there's also the the teacher uh um is unje uh, Yongji, um, the teacher where like, you, she doesn't explicitly have to say, but it's implied based on how she speaks to Uni about standing up for herself. And she's like saying, don't ever let anyone get away with hitting you. And just the way she says it made me think that she, she experienced it herself. And so she was like, don't let them be down. And, and, and there's these moments where, of like, I, I thought that Unji was a, a, a person that had a very big impact on Uni's life and also the doctor and also even the owner of the store where these people where she wasn't receiving um love and validation at home but then these people that she just met for short periods of time saw her and understood her and showed her the sympathy that she needed to that she needed at those points in time and and um the thing with with Andre that I love is like Again, the film does focus a lot on female relationships, and they thought that Unje was a kind of a balance to to Uni's mother, and um, because you know, like like as women, like we grow up and we do form like female friendships, like very close knit communities with with other women. And I thought it was I thought it was great that she did have a positive female influence in her life because that would if she didn't, it would affect the way she saw women going forward because. She, on one hand, she has her mom who's basically ignoring abuse because she herself is a survivor of abuse and living through it because like she and the dad fight constantly. But then on the other hand, she has someone who's telling her to fight back, to don't sweep it under the rug, to act, confront it head on and, and stand it for herself. So I think it's, it's important that we have these two balances with these two women in her lives. And and so so for you personally, as just as a woman, like how important is our female friendships and female relationships to you? Personally? So for me, um, having good female friendship and raw mother is very important in my life. And I would say I've been imp- I've been like inspired by women around me. Like not they're not like hero figures but like i've been always inspired by my mom my sister and my female friends and a lot of women around me because they're very resilient mm-hmm. we were we are minorities in in the society and i think um being minority can be you know um curse but at the same time it's bliss because you can re- you can feel related to everyone who are suffering in the world and if you are a majority you sometimes have lack of empathy 
Um, I, I sometimes make joke about House of Hummingbird, like if I were a white guy who are living in like uh, South, then I, I may not be able to make this film. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so if I, I would say like if I, if I were a man who's, who was always like majority and like didn't really uh, go through a lot of, you know, suffering or prejudice and like experience as a minority, uh, as a minority, then I don't think I would be able to make this film House of Hummingbird. It's a, it's voices of people who are not respected enough from society. And it's the voices that are not heard. And it's voices that we had, women are had, but like we didn't really talk and discuss in public so i guess so having like relationship with this these women who are going through similar things and who went through similar things in the society really mattered to me because that's where when i can really think okay I'm, I'm not the one who went through this and my, uh, my emotions were right. And it was right for me to feel that way. And because, um, you know, society doesn't really show women's voices. Mm. They always sugarcoat or diminish our suffering and our voices, our needs. And they actually really want to, you know, decorate our voices into something really s- strange that we are not, uh, that are not us. For example, like media always shows like heterosexual relationship between men and women, when men and women, and like they show middle school girls who are always talking about boys, but that's not the truth. I wasn't like that. I wasn't like that. I, I was more interested in like sense of belonging mm-hmm. and like what it means to be human beings. And I really wanted to be close with my female friends and like, but the media and society doesn't want to see it. Mm-hmm. And they always like try to say women are the enemy of other women. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't agree with that. That's not the truth. We really find, find our own places in the relationship with female friends and female figures. So I wanted to bring my reality to the film. A lot of people asked, did you plan to show these many female characters in your film? And I think that's, that question itself shows how society is. Do you ever, do society ever ask, question to this male driven so many commercial films why do you have male main character what do you have strong main characters what do you have what do you, why do you only show male relationship they don't ask that questions but like i got a lot of questions about feminism and like why i chose female friendship i would say there's no reason because it's so natural and it's my life there's no reason Exactly. Not the same way that may, a lot of male directors have no reason to use white male relationship <laughs> and characters. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. And I, and I appreciate everything that you did with the film and you said with the film because there is a lot of, as, as you said, there's a lot of context to love the scenes. And it is a very, to me, a universal film because there's a lot of experiences with many women and many young girls will be able to connect to. And so I have to applaud you for for doing it so beautifully because like at the end of the film, I I started to think about all of the the girls that I went to school with, like the women that I lost, my my grandmother and and like like all of the friends that I lost touch with with school and even the friends that I have now and the friends that I hope to meet. And the film really did make me think of like loss, but also of like hope and like looking forward to to, to the friends that we could meet wherever we go. And so again, thank you so much for the phone. And I know you have to go, so I will let you go. And um, again, thank you so much for speaking to me and um, all the success you've had for the film. And I can't wait to see what else you're doing. Is there anything that you could possibly share? Like, are you working currently on another script, on a screenplay or anything like that before you go? 
Okay, sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your excellent questions and okay. discussion. Uh, I'm like so touched and impressed by your interpretation and like, you know, filmmakers always feel happy when people like really know and understand what you are really trying to say. And I appreciate your comments. And uh, I really like the comment that you thought about your women in your life by watching the film. And and that was actually my goal that I wanted to convey. Like I wanted to bring a lot of like sense of uh, emotions that we all had, but we maybe forgot. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, so... To to conclude the conversation, Hassan Hungbird is like what you said. It has a, a lot of suffering and pain and sadness, but it's indeed it's it's about light and love and you know connection. Mm-hmm. So I hope audience can enjoy the film. Uh, experiencing a lot of emotions, but. In truly the love and hope, and uh, answering to the the last final question, I am actually getting like scripts and offer from companies, film companies, and I am trying to find which one is right fit to me. And I wanna I wanna say something different thing uh, for my next film uh, and explore different genres. But I think I will always try to bring voices that are not heard. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested in women and minorities. Of course, I'm interested in depicting men also. But if I depict men, I want to depict men in a different way that society didn't, you know, approve. So I wanted to bring like female or feminine uh, or like, um, you know, like different side of uh, androgynous side of men or feminine side of men, feminine yeah, coat feminine side of men, um, and like bringing different side of all human beings and different voices. I think that's my goal to talk about something that we think it's it's normal. Um, uh, and I want to see normal things in a different lens. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to see what you're doing. And I think Sofri is kind of slowly moving towards that in like the Korean dramas. And there was one I came up called, recently called Where Your Eyes Linger, which was about a relationship between two teenage boys, which then grew into adults. So I'm like, Sofri, yes, make these kind of stories more mainstream. And you're seeing it more in other K-dramas like Search WWW. I'm like, yes, female friendships and also female sexual relationships. We can have both. And so again, I look forward to see what you do and have a great day. And uh, I would love to talk to you again in the future, but whatever you work on, um, work on again. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And it was so great talking to you and have a wonderful day to you too. Yeah. Thanks. Bye, bye. bye.